The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. That's on. All right. Ooh. Wow. Hey. Okay. Good evening, everybody. Thank you. We'll call to order the Thursday, June 2nd, regular session of the City of Kalamazoo Planning Commission. Can we get a roll call, please? Wow. Harrison? Here. 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 Thank you. We're all adjusting to technology, so thank you for your patience. Uh, we have an agenda before us. Are there any changes to the agenda? There are none. All right. Uh, can I get a motion to approve the agenda? I move to approve the agenda as presented. Motion by Vias. Support. Support by Burgess. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Great. Motion is approved. We have minutes from the April 7th, 2022 Planning Commission meeting. Are there any comments, questions, changes, edits? If not, can I get a motion to approve the April 7th Planning Commission minutes? So moved. Motion by Harrison. Support. Support by Patelko. All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Great. Uh, any communications or announcements? Nope. All right. Uh, we have no public hearings tonight. But just as a reminder, we will have a section later on for public comments. So if you have public comments at that time, you can call in at 888-382-9556, and staff will cue you in at the appropriate time, and those will be public comments on the non-agenda items. So that gets us to our agenda items. 
two discussion items on the agenda. The first one, PC 2002.05, a presentation on the community sustainability plan. presentation all right so I'm here on behalf of uh, Jamie tonight my name is Nolan Bergstrom I'm a community planner with the planning department I've been helping Jamie I guess since the uh, initial kickoff event for the community sustainability plan back in 2019 uh, and really I just want to share some updates on the plan and next steps is it showing What if I unplug this?
Beth, is it you? Is it you sharing the screen, or is it me? Why does it look like that though? Is that you or me? It doesn't look. Uh, oh no, it's good. Okay. Okay. So new microphones, old old TV. Uh, we'll continue on though. So really, this presentation is just meant to be a, a short update, uh, and then uh, on both some of the engagement from the past and some of the recent engagement, as well as next steps regarding the CSP. Um, so 2019 was when the kickoff of the CSP began, and since then, um, there's been dozens of engagement events, um, you know, lots of staff and volunteer time dedicated to it, lots of touch points with residents um, that kind of formed what the CSP, the Community Sustainability Plan, is today. Um, next slide. Is it me? Yep. Um, so some of the, so some of the more recent engagement has been an open house at City Hall in the community room in April, on April 11th. We've had a virtual town hall. We've had presentations to the Kalamazoo Climate Crisis Coalition and the Rotary Club, as well as Friendship Village. Um, we've had a feedback form online now uh, while the CSP draft has been up and we've gotten 55 responses from that. Uh, we've also presented to multiple boards and commissions, including H, uh, Historic Preservation Commission, Historic District Commission, the Natural Features Protection Board, the Brownfield Redevelopment Authority, Environmental Concerns Committee, and to you all today. Um, so really, um, lots of recent engagement while the draft has been out. Um, and from all this engagement, um, especially since that 2019 kickoff, it's really f helped form what the plan is today. It's helped us get to what the 10 goals should be, what our 29 strategies should be, and what the 83 actions we need to complete in order to implement this plan should be. And you actually all have a handout that goes through the action table from the plan itself um, by chapter. So it breaks down what those goals are, what those actions are and what the strategies are. And also from this engagement, um, the CSP visions is what they were initially called, formed into the CSP um, chapters. So uh, really the green circular economy chapter talking about economies of scale, um, different ways to make our local economy more resilient, whether it be recycling or incorporating um, agricultural practices, composting, things like that. Um, accessible complete network. Um, a lot of this work is um, sort of mirroring the Imagine Kalamazoo 2025 master plan, but goes a step further in looking at how to incorporate multimodal transportation and green practices with uh, our network. Healthy prepared community is a big one, so this is um, dealing with how can we make our residents more resilient? What can we do to help mitigate um, environmental concerns? One of those being flooding. So that's in the plan, that's a big one. <laughs> I'm sure you're all familiar with living in Kalamazoo. Um, and that's just one of the touch points in that chapter. 
And then affordable, efficient city is another big one. Looking at uh, a big one is community solar, um, solar panels on homes. And you'll see uh, as I go through here how you guys might come into play when it comes to implementing the CSP. So diving just a little bit further into it, um, we as a staff really reviewed um, all this engagement and tried to, to the best of our ability, figure out what maybe the top six strategies would be. We stuck with the strategy level because going through each of the 83 actions um, was going to be a tough exercise. So we went with the strategy level because it's a good um, middle point to understand what we can prioritize right away um, upon plan adoption. And where you guys really step in is some of these strategies, um, three of them to be exact, are zone, maybe zoning related, there may be actions um, involving zoning. So removing barriers and developing tools that lead to more solar development. Um, that's looking at solar panels, um, you know, looking at zoning code to see what use districts they might be appropriate in, um, aligning local policies with the circular economy, kind of spoke about that one, but that's, you know, gardening in your yard, composting, different scalable economies like that within the city, um, and looking at what districts they may be appropriate in as well. And then encouraging density for more sustainable land use, and that's, you know, maybe tied mostly to housing, um, which is a big component of the plan. Uh, the other three um, are investing in programs that protect community health, retrofitting and weatherizing existing buildings to reduce energy waste, and piloting a community solar project. So these are just starting points, and the hope is um, this may, you know, maybe we got it right, maybe we didn't, maybe as we implement the plan, something shifts, and this, um, these uh, maybe shift around a bit in what we can accomplish now. And similar to those uh, top six, we knew there were some high priority um, strategies we wanted to implement, but might be limited by some of our current resources. So I mentioned flooding, mitigating flooding to protect people and property. Um, that's gonna be a big lift. So that might take us a long period of time and require a lot of resources to do. So, but we, we don't wanna forget about it. Um, so we wanna make sure it's still on staff's radar and not forgotten as we implement the plan. And maybe if something, if funding or more staff unlock this as something that we can implement now, uh, it would shift up um, to um, something more feasible to do. Um, equitably increase the tree canopy. We're um, really starting to achieve that now with our street tree inventory and looking at um, plantings throughout the future. Um, Electrifying city light duty fleet. There's been um, discussions already among staff on how to do this long term, and it's becoming more feasible um, each day the technology advances. And then invest, investing in resilient stormwater infrastructure is kind of tied to that mitigating, mitigating uh, flooding and the impacts of flooding. And those are going to be big ones in the future, but we just, like I said, they're on our wait list. I, I don't know if we should call it a wait list, but we just don't want to forget that they're there. Um, so uh, 
In terms of the draft itself, it's been up for a while now. It, um, hopefully you've had a chance to review it. The public feedback um, portion of it has closed recently, so now it's time to incorporate that feedback into creating a final draft. Um, and then the next steps really are a committee of the whole presentation uh, on June 6th, and then getting that final draft out there and then up for adoption at the regular business meeting on the 21st. So that's sort of where we started from, where it's presently and where it's going next. So, you know, quite soon it, it'll be, um, you know, up to uh, city commission to adopt. So that's all I have. We still have the page up and the draft is still up for everyone to review. So um, I welcome that and any questions. Thank you. That's a great presentation. Any questions for staff on the plan? I have one. Yeah. Um, this question is maybe more for Christina. Do we, I can't think off the top of my head about any restrictions that currently exist for solar panels in our zoning code. Yeah, so um, one big part of that that we're exploring is more like formalizing a permitting process to help us track okay, uh, solar sense. panel installation. We've had some even in historic districts that have been installed, um, but really right now, there isn't a formalized system to track. We're looking into a program called Soul Smart to mm -hmm. help us with that. So that would really help us just over time and for the plan's sake, track that, how many panels per year, you know, something that we can measure um, and get a better sense of where they're going and who's getting them and installing them. Cool, thanks. Yeah. Other questions, comments? What has been some of the primary feedback that has been received over the last four weeks or during this feedback period? Yeah, um, a lot of the feedback uh, has been good about our top priorities. People. I didn't touch it. I'll just speak up louder. Oh, there we go. Um, you know, there's been, um, I think, some hesitation about implementation. Um, it's, it's a very new thing. Um, and our hope is to keep it, I think, you know, in past presentations, and, and we're sticking to this, but keeping the plan flexible. That's why we have these strategies that we want to prioritize right now, and maybe that shifts. So this document would really be something that we review quite often. It wouldn't just sit on a shelf. It would be, you know, we want it to be actionable. So we're taking steps for that, and we know that Right, if we get a lot of funding to really start targeting um, flooding and stormwater infrastructure, that we would do that. So that would shift. Um, so, so far the, the feedback we've gotten has been good. Um, I know one of the top priorities is a community solar project. Some folks were unsure of what that would look like, where it would go, but really the first step would be exploring exploring that and maybe doing more engagement with neighborhoods, residents to understand what that would look like. Does that involve workforce development? Where would it go? What neighborhoods, right? Um, I think there's a lot of possibilities and we didn't lock into one um, specifically so that all those possibilities are unlocked. 
So the, and that leads me to my next question, which was uh, about implementation. The, so those strategies, those key sort of first attack modes that you're gonna go into are those six ones that you sort of identified up there on that one slide? That's sort of your, yeah, what you're yeah. gonna hit so first. We, okay. we worked with um, the Environmental Concerns Committee the feedback we've gathered. We tried to be empirical about it and score our strategies. We stuck to the strategy level because scoring all the 83 actions was gonna be a kind of a heavy lift for us. But yeah. so we stuck with the strategies um, and those are the ones that ranked the way they did. They're not in a do A first, B first. It was just those top. And some of them were close, right? Um, and I think it struck a good balance. Um, it's kind of heavy on the affordable, efficient cities um, side of things where focusing on energy, um, but it, it does hit on each chapter. There's a strategy from each chapter. Um, That's good. So right you want, now- You want things that are gonna happen quick, not gonna cost too much, but yet still have an impact, so. Yeah, and so three of those, right, um, dealing specifically maybe internally with processes, um, zoning, things like that. So those might be one uh, items where it may not be a huge financial cost, but it'll be a, a time cost for staff to do the research and do the, our due diligence to figure out what would work best um, so that you know, it can okay. be implemented. Nice. Uh, other questions or comments? Less. Any action needed from us? Or is this just a good information presentation? Uh, this is just a good information presentation, right. updates and what's next. Wonderful. Um, you know, uh, I think I put it on the slide, but for anybody watching as well, please tune in during those dates. Um, we'll be putting uh, a media release out and some social media posts out tomorrow, hopefully letting people know what that call in number is, letting people know that they can tune in and lend their voice if they wish. So, Great. Well, it's a lot of hard work. Thank you to all the staff involved and all the volunteers and public who's lent their voice. So thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move on to the next item. Uh, item number two, an update on the public participation plan or to the public participation plan. Yep. Updates to the public participation policy technically. But let's see if we can get this technology to work tonight. It appears that we are not streaming on Facebook this evening for some reason, but this meeting is um, streaming live on YouTube. So residents do have the opportunity to watch. Okay. Beth, are you able to Maybe. Hmm. Technology is not our friend tonight. Okay, well, 
It really wasn't that pretty of a presentation anyway, not a lot of graphics. You all have a copy of the public participation policy, um, or we're given a link to that policy, so hope you had a chance to look it over. The public participation policy is a document that the city um, created shortly after Imagine Kalamazoo, and we did it for two reasons. We did it, one, to codify the process that we did in Imagine Kalamazoo so we could then use it for other programs, policies, um, projects. And also, um, the public participation uh, policy is part of our redevelopment ready community certification from the state of Michigan. And that is through MEDC, which is the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, has certified Kalamazoo as a redevelopment ready community. And having the public participation plan policy is one of those pieces of that certification. And so some of you may have been on the board four years ago or so, maybe five, uh, when it was originally approved through the, um, as we were doing the RRC application. Since then, we have used the document, particularly uh, when we do big projects, right? We talk about um, who, you know, what is the impact of a project, who should be at the table, and how we're going to reach them. With COVID uh, and virtual engagement, uh, lessons learned, lesson learned from prior to COVID, from you know, the first couple years of the plan, we embarked on uh, an update process. It was actually started prior to COVID, um, and we had a draft out there in 2019, early 2020, um, and it didn't actually make it uh, to you in a formal way because of COVID stuff. So we're bringing it back now. We've made a couple of additional edits. Um, and wanted to present everything to you tonight. This presentation is for information only. I will come back to you in July um, with a, uh, um, yeah, that's the document itself. It's okay. No, it's okay. We, well, I'm fine. Yeah, thanks. Um, but thank you. Um, so July, we'll come back and I'll ask you to make a, uh, an official uh, approval of the document. Again, because it's part of that Redevelopment Ready's community, we want to make sure that we have formal action. So what's, let's talk about the document itself. So the policy actually has two pieces. The first is the policy itself. And what does that say? It talks about a commitment to outreach and engagement as part of our everyday work with the city. It's an understanding of who should be at the discussion table, uh, which is going to change based on the project and the impact of the project and the location. Um, and the importance of engaging during, before, and after a, an activity. And I think we very commonly think of that engagement as that pre-activity. Um, we get to the, the release of the policy or the project, and then we kind of stop. And so making sure that we are communicating results uh, not only just to keep in touch uh, with the community. Facebook is now live, so this is great. Welcome, Facebook viewers. Um, so not only um, uh, so we can keep in touch, but also so we can measure our, our work. Was the program project policy successful? What needs to be adjusted? And so really, it's kind of a, a full circle level of engagement. And so the policy outlines all of those things. There have been three major changes. Um, as part of this update. There's been a couple of minor tweaks, but the three major buckets are, first has to do with developer or applicant outreach. Um, the second is the creation of an internal group, an internal community of practice group, uh, to make sure that the city um, is working cohesively together. 
and there's been some updates to the engagement guide and toolkit, and I'm going to talk about each of those three. When someone is coming before you uh, for a zoning, uh, rezoning, or a special use request, um, staff has worked with that applicant in advance to recommend some minimum engagement activities. Now, those vary based on the type of the request. Um, and we do the same thing for the Zoning Board of Appeals um, and other review boards. You know, but it's always a recommendation. Um, what we've done in here is, you know, kind of set it on paper to say, if you are coming before the plan commission for a rezoning, then, you know, you are required to do this individual outreach on your own. And so the first major change is adding that table. Um, and it is on page, if you have the document in front of you, it is on page, oh, let's see. Page 13, the bottom of page 13. And so it talks about the different requests that are before boards, what are recommended activities and, and required activities. And why, why are we putting this in this more formal way? We want to make sure that's being done consistently. We want to make sure it's being, being done consistently across requests, across locations. You know, whether I'm standing here or it's someone else, you know, we want to make sure that this is something that we're always doing. This was up. This is one of the first changes we made to the document back in 2019, 2020. Um, and so this has been kind of out loosely for review since then. Um, and we did not receive a lot of comment on this piece. Again, this is something we're asking our applicants to do uh, for the most part anyway. So a lot of it is not new, um, not new actions. The second major change uh, talks is the creation of a community of practice. This is on page eight and nine in the document. So a community of practice is a group that shares a common interest or activity and collaborates in order to do the work better. There are many departments in the city, public services, and within public services, there's water and stormwater and traffic, et cetera. Community planning and economic development, um, parks and rec, and we all do outward facing work. And in our own way, we are all engaging the community on different projects, programs, or policies. And what we need to do is work a little more collaboratively so we are not stepping over each other's efforts, so we're not causing fatigue both on the residence end, where there are multiple engagement meetings in one week or within a two-week period, uh, as well as fatigue uh, on staff's level. Uh, this community of practice group will help us support each other's uh, creation and implementation of our, each of our own public participation strategies. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to collect, evaluate, and share data amongst departments uh, for engagement techniques that have worked best in different places, what didn't work, uh, what was learned. Um, we think that this group will help us better tell our story, the city's story for the work that we do, which is something we've talked about before. Uh, this group is something that we don't do very well at the city. And part of that goes back to one of the things I said uh, at the beginning, which is that full circle kind of uh, level of engagement where you might be seeking input at the beginning and then later on you're, you're providing stories and information at the, end, you know, at the end to kind of keep everybody in the loop. And to evaluate outreach activities and tools. 
So this group, um, we hope to start meeting this summer. Um, I am currently speaking with all the departments and in some cases divisions within the departments to get their representatives to serve on this committee. I expect we will meet either quarterly or bi-monthly. Um, again, several to kind of a short-term focus and a long-term focus. Short-term, who's going out where in the next month? What do we need to do? Can we help share each other's information, publicize each other's events? And then long-term, how can we better communicate? How can we evaluate? We hope in 2023 to do um, an engagement barrier study as we ramp up to, imagine Kalamazoo 2035 at the end of next year and going into 24, it's kind of scary. Um, but what do we, you know, why are folks not coming out to meetings? Um, does it differ based on the location and how can we change our activities to make sure that we're giving everybody the opportunity? So we hope to complete that study next year. The last place that saw the most major change was the um, engagement guide and toolkit, which is at the end of the document. So this really is the step-by-step -step guide. This is meant to express what's in the policy itself. And it, ident it goes into detail on how someone could define their project. And I don't mean define the project in terms of, oh, it's going to be housing. But you know, who's being served? How does it impact the adjacent neighborhood? Um, you know, what, are the, what are the amenities it has? Are they for the residents? Are they for the community, et cetera? And by having that definition, then that helps you identify, okay, well, who are the stakeholders that you need to have involved in conversations for this project? And then you can help determine the level of engagement. I love this graphic. We have it in, uh, you can't see the graphic. We have it in, um, in the plan in a couple of different ways, but it's how you gauge the, um, the level of impact based on high and low impact and high and low area of geography. Um, and that can help you guide yourself to pick what activities, what tools are going to be best for that, um, for that uh, level of, of, of outreach. So define the project, identify stakeholders and impact, determine the level of engagement, and then create your strategy. And strategy, you know, you set it, but it's meant to be flexible, right? We need to be nimble, we need to understand and see how things are going and make changes as necessary. There's information in the toolkit about how to plan accessible and inclusive activities to make sure everyone, um, including those with um, physical disabilities, are able to participate fully in whatever the event or activity is. And then finally, tips on promoting participation and of course, communicating results. One of the things you'll notice in the toolkit is a series of templates. Um, and those start on page, well, they're in the back of the, the guidebook. Um, and so these are blank pages that are meant to be used to answer these questions. How do, how do you define your project? What is your strategy accordingly? And um, the community of practice group, at least speaking for the city, is going to look at how we work with the departments and divisions within the city to use these pages. So when things come to you that are city-driven, when things come to the city commission uh, that are started from, from city staff, they're seeing the same documentation across the board. Um, I think it gives us an easier tool to kind of be able to discuss uh, what's happened and what hasn't happened and allows us to keep a record of that work. At the very end of the document um, is a series of tools. 
They are organized based on the type of engagement. Are you informing? Are you collaborating, uh, et cetera? Some of the things that have changed here are really lessons learned from the last couple years with COVID-19. Uh, and what does it mean to take traditional tools and do them in another way, uh, in a virtual way? And what do you need to think about? What translates well? What doesn't translate well? Uh, what are the challenges? What are the benefits of each of the tools? So whether it is a staff member in the traffic division, whether it is a neighborhood association or a developer, they can go through this list and start to think about what's going to best serve them for their designed project. Those, that, is, that is the summary of the changes uh, in the document. We've added some pictures, you know, some of the language has been tweaked um, in some small places, but those are the three major areas of change. I've presented this uh, internally to uh, the directors of the departments, um, so everyone knows the changes. Um, and we've had discussions about the community of practice group, which was really well received because I think everybody realizes that we can be, if we work together, we can work better. Um, so there was quite a bit of excitement around that. Um, and, you know, the toolkit um, really is a nice outline of, um, you know, what are the options for the different level of engagement um, and really kind of a, um, a critical look at how each one operates so you can then make the best choices. Does anybody have any questions on the plan? Any questions? Policy, not plan. Is this referenced in the zoning ordinance at all? It is not. Um, it exists outside of that because it exists for everything. Um, we have not updated our administrative approval, review and approval section in the zoning code. Um, when we do that, presumably later this year or early next year, we can certainly reference the public participation plan uh, in that um, when we get there. The reason for my question is here we've got, like let's just take a rezoning, uh, outreach is in the policy is required, a meeting is required. Mm -hmm. If an applicant came up and didn't do a meeting in accordance with this policy, would that be, what would be the proper response? It would be a violation of the policy, but would it be a violation of the zoning ordinance and the sure. standards that we mm -hmm. have? So if it's us? not in the zoning ordinance, it would not be a violation of the zoning ordinance? Right. It would be, for using the term violation of, of, of this policy, which this board is going to hopefully um, formally approve in at, at my meeting. Um, and it has the opportunity, you know, as we um, update our application forms for this board and others, and I think we've already started to do this, you know, we know, you know, if you have not done the engagement, you know, that you are not setting yourself up for sex, success and you may risk not being heard at your meeting uh, because of either things arise that are complications or because staff feels the application can't go for, is not ready to go forward. Perfect. Good. Uh, then, because the two we, we get most often are rezonings and special use permits. Rezonings, mm -hmm. it's required in here. Special use permits, it's recommended. So then then there'd be more of a subjective call and we'd all have to make a decision on how we 
view the efforts they've made versus the recommendations of the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is helpful to have it a little more cut and dry and then a case may not even have to come before us if they haven't met that requirement, which would be nice. So I think that, you know, right now we recommend it to all applicants, right? And I think for the most part, the value of those activities are seen, right? People want to come before this or another board and be successful in their request. So if, um, if there is guidance on how to reach out to the community, how to avoid surprises, make sure that, um, you know, that uh, the right folks are being um, informed or collaborated with uh, in advance, you know, the chance of success for when they get to this stage is only going to increase. So for the most part, we've had applicants that have been willing to do um, it at our recommendation. Um, I have one more question. I, I, I like the um, engagement activities toolkit. I like the benefits and challenges section. Um, is there any, when you've got an applicant, do you kind of steer them in certain directions or another depending on the type of activity there, like a rezoning or, you know, if it's like, I think we've gotten a few daycare requests where a sort of a mm -hmm. Yeah, I think particularly with rezonings is the one that we've probably guided the most. Um, because those have larger impacts um, and so you know recommending the door knocking or leaving flyers you know if you don't reach people what should you do um, you know do you have a leave behind if you're door knocking do you have a leave behind uh, can you leave your card contact information uh, to make sure that um, uh, you know, that the activity is being effective, right? You know, we can do things to check a box that don't, um, don't actually, uh, um, don't actually uh, produce the result that you want. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're preventing that. Um, when we do neighborhood engagement, uh, particularly neighborhood plan engagement, you know, I think that this uh, more robust toolkit is going to really come in handy. Um, if we do the community of practice, the internal group does decide that, you know, this bucket of projects that the city does must complete these forms, you know, and when they, when things come to the city commission and, you know, other buckets, maybe you don't have to, but at least these you do, um, then this document will be really put into use, um, to make sure that, uh, we're being consistent across the board. And we have a lot of plans that are going to be updated in the near future. I mean, first of all, you know that there's zoning work coming. And so um, I'm going to be spending some time in the next week or so to fill out uh, the forms, part is a demonstration project, uh, but also so we can be mindful uh, of following our own policy. Um, but again, I mentioned Imagine Kalamazoo 2035. Um, the Housing and Urban Development, the HUD uh, Consolidated Plan is, is set to expire. Well, that will need to be redone. The Parks and Rec plan is a five-year plan that uh, is set to expire in the next 18 months. So there, there's definitely some work that's going to be going on out there and an opportunity to, you know, kind of step up uh, our game in this department. Any other questions or comments? Very well. I, I, I guess I'd just say that, that um, it's very impressive all in all. It, I, I really like how it just formalizes so many things. Anytime you formalize the informal, it's a good process improvement. And I like the variety 
the structured responses, if you, if you want to achieve this, these tools, use these tools, as, as opposed to saying, there's all these tools out there, go for it, and you direct in certain ways. I only wonder that if, as a policy, if, um, you, if it's so rigid that, that if somebody comes up with something new, it's like a new way to engage, that we don't stifle that possibility. But I just, great stuff. Thank you. Thanks. Excellent. Anything else? So this will be on the agenda in July, um, and where we'll be requesting um, your support for its approval. We'll make the same, have you make the same motion that you did when it was originally adopted. Um, and so we'll get the same wording, because um, with best help, we um, have to do an annual um, application renewal of our redevelopment uh, readies community certification. Um, so you know, we wanna make sure that we're doing this uh, this summer, because that's when we start getting all those um, recertification pieces together. Wonderful, thank you. It's a good, it's a, if we're gonna make, ask people to do something, it's nice to give them a lot of information and help in completing that requirement. So thank you. Uh, while you're there, why don't you give us the city planner report? Sure. Um, so um, we are in the final stages of confirming a special meeting later this month. Uh, I believe the date is Wednesday, July 22nd. Uh, it'll be at 7 p.m. here, but all of that will be publicly noticed. Um, we have two cases at that meeting to be heard, two public hearings. June 22nd, what did I say? July? Yeah, not July. June 22nd, this month. Thank you, Pete. Um, we will still have our July 5th meeting because I'm certain that we will have uh, business at that meeting. Right now, for staff, you know, this is budget time, right? We're really in the process of getting everything organized um, to make our requests uh, for funding for next year's projects. Um, and so that has kept staff pretty busy over the last, over the last few weeks. Um, and other than that, I don't have a lot else to report. Um, there have been, hopefully you have seen them, a lot of neighborhood activities, uh, thanks to uh, the work of Nolan, the work of Zach Dumont, who I'm not sure if this board has met yet, he's our AmeriCorps member uh, this term, uh, and Jay Slaby, who is our um, new neighborhood activator. Um, there are four or five neighborhood plans that are actively in the works. Um, as well as um, a variety of other neighborhoods that are starting to bubble up um, and do that level of kind of internal organization um, in order to get to the place where they can start to make plans. But there have been a lot of activities uh, in that world. Later this month on the 21st, uh, this is a reminder that the city commission meeting, and I'm sure Commissioner Prater uh, will also say this in his report, uh, the second meeting in June is occurring on June 21st. Uh, because Monday the 20th is uh, Juneteenth uh, observed for city staff. Uh, so the offices are closed that day. So the meeting is the 22nd. At the committee of the whole meeting that afternoon, um, that starts at five o'clock, uh, we will be doing an in-depth presentation on streets for all, creating a connected city. And so this is really focused on all the downtown streets projects. Um, and kind of where we've been, where we're going. Um, there is a lovely website that is live. 
will be live shortly. Um, that goes through the whole history of downtown streets um, and looks to the future for the changes that are coming over the next couple of decades. Um, so it's pretty exciting work. Um, and so that is happening uh, at the committee of the whole meeting and I would encourage you all to either attend in person or tune in uh, because you know, there's going to be a lot of activities coming over the next couple of, well certainly this summer, but you know, even beyond. And that's all I have. Thank you. Uh, public comments. Are there any public comments on, I guess, non-agenda items? I, I'm vamping. <laughs> OK, I'm checking right now. On any call-in comments, or uh, you want to do in-person first? No, oh, okay. If there were, seeing no one advance, I'll wait and see if. And we do not have any call-in comments at this time. No call-in comments at this time. Okay, thank you. Uh, seeing no public comments, then our city commissioner report. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Good to see everyone. Uh, wanted to continue to just uh, keep uh, Commissioner Pitts in our thoughts and make sure he knows we're thinking of him. A um, couple of changes I promised to always come back and share what happened at City Commission uh, at our meeting on May 16th. Uh, kind of something a little bit unorthodox happened and my two, two and a half years I've been on commission, we tabled the uh, text amendments to uh, the Chapter 50 zoning. Uh, there were a couple colleagues who just wanted some more time to, uh, you know, understand the changes and just have a chance to engage with city staff. Um, you know, although it was a bummer, I, I always respect people more who say, you know, hey, I need a second to understand this than rather vote with something without feeling 100% confident about something. So just know that I know that'll be coming up <clears throat> at our next meeting. I always make sure to give you guys a shout out and say there's a lot of smart, wise people on the planning commission who, who, who vet this before it comes to us. And, I made sure to let them know it was a unanimous vote uh, from the Planning Commission as well. Um, something big for the city of Kalamazoo, uh, two-way uh, uh, conversion from our one-way street. So the first project um, design work we approved at the last commission meeting, which was almost a million dollars, it was $955,000 for this design work. And most people, when they see that price tag, they're like, what, $955,000 to you know, convert two streets? Like they just envision like us adding street paint and like why does that cost $955,000? But I mean this is this is like game changing taking the city of Kalamazoo to like the next level. I mean I'm talking like Minneapolis next level, Chicago next level because you know really it's going to dig up everything underneath the road so they're you know with the priority based budgeting we take care of all that all at once. You know you're talking sidewalks, uh, islands, traffic calming initiatives, bike lanes, um, sidewalk safety enhancements, but really this is a big deal and the reason I get particularly excited about this is because we really have two giant highways flowing through our downtown, right? And, and not only are there highways, but people, you know, speed, um, it is not super pedestrian friendly. It isolates two of our neighborhoods, you know, east side and north side have been isolated for years from interconnectivity between the city and getting around safely. And so this, this is very exciting work. And so if, if everything goes to plan, 2024, we get that two-way conversion underway. 
Uh, and let's see, I wanted to make sure to note as well, we had some exciting news. 75 intersections this summer are gonna get safety enhancements. So what that means is we're gonna get about 40 intersections that'll get audible speakers, um, crosswalk markings. Um, I learned about these like back plate uh, enhancements and basically what it does is it prevents, you know, uh, the light from being uh, obstructed by the sunlight, which is a safety enhancement. And those back plates apparently reduce crashes by 15%, who knew? Um, and then also they, they add span wires, which apparently what that does is like when you have a windy day and the lights kind of get shifted because of that. Uh, so that's exciting, that'll be going on. We had a new website launch, so if you haven't had a chance to explore that and check yourself out on the government tab um, for our new website that launched just last week. And then Kalamazoo was selected as one of 13 international cities um, to participate in the Bloomberg Center for Public Innovation to examine sidewalk safety during the winter. So one of only 13 communities in the world were picked by Bloomberg Center for Innovation. And we're one of those communities that we get to work to think through how to make our sidewalks safer in the winter. And then I also wanted to make sure to uh, shout out, because this was a project I worked on last year that was uh, kind of a passion for mine, was fireworks on Juneteenth. And the reason why I felt like this was important, because I'm sure you'll hear people say, like, why did you add another day to fireworks? You know, I have three children. I have two pets. I hate fireworks with every fiber of my being. But it's about equity. And the reality is, is if, if you think about it, a holiday that's predominantly going to be celebrated by uh, uh, people of color, if all of a sudden, if it's not legal on our books to shoot off fireworks on Juneteenth, it's all right for, you know, a white person to shoot off a firework on 4th of July, but a holiday of prominence like Juneteenth, it would technically be illegal to do that. And so now, you know, it's making our holidays more equitable in terms of when people can celebrate and make sure that somebody isn't disproportionately being enforced or um, targeted by enforcement um, on Juneteenth. So uh, that's about it. Um, sorry for the lengthy updates, but I just wanted to make sure to share those with you as well. So, um, and if you get a chance to, I have a card to sign as well for Commissioner Pitts at the end, if you get a chance to stick around. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for the update, and uh, thanks for the card. Uh, commissioner comments. Do any planning commissioners have any comments to share? Any th closing thoughts? Quiet group. Excellent. Uh, just a reminder, again, we will have a special meeting on Wednesday, June 22nd, 7 p.m., as well as our regular meeting, July 7th. Are we, well, I'm sure we'll be getting a slew of emails before that to make sure we'll have quorum uh, due to the, uh, the holiday in proximity to that. So just be aware of the date, July 7th. And uh, with that, and wrapping up our agenda, everybody enjoy the summer. Uh, then we're adjourned. Thanks. <laughs>